welcome back to Simmering Thoughts, where we serve up slow-cooked thinking on Christian life and theology. I'm the host, Ryan Akers, and I want to thank you for listening to this program. This season on Simmering Thoughts, we are looking at discipleship. Specifically, we're looking at how the book of James helps guide someone on a discipleship journey. How are we shaped by the text? How does the text challenge us and move us forward toward growth in Christ? So sit back, settle in, and enjoy this episode of Simmering Thoughts. Welcome back to Simmering Thoughts. My name is Ryan Akers, and I am your host. Uh, I am joined today as we look at the book of James, and specifically at discipleship through the book of James. Uh, I'm joined today by a pastor from my area. His name is Zelvis Applin. Uh, I met him at a uh, recent seminar that we went together with uh, Love Serves International, and I had a chance to spend a, a day with him at a table, and we got to know each other a little bit, and I invited him to come on to the podcast because he does a lot with discipleship. And I really wanted to get him in, especially early in this process, uh, so that he can kind of inform us and help shape our listening as we go through. Uh, and so before we get too far into the topic, Zelvis, why don't you introduce yourself just a little bit more? Well, man, you did a great job of introducing me already. Ryan, it's a privilege and an honor to be here with you today. And thank you for the opportunity to be a part of your journey as God is using both of us to make yep. an impact in the world that we live in. And so thank you for allowing me to uh, use my voice in this opportunity to talk about discipleship. Uh, you said it right. My name is Zelvis. For those of you who are trying to sort all that out, if you think of Elvis with some zest, uh, that is me. And I they call me Zesty Elvis. And so uh, I uh, do appreciate the journey and the story behind my name. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely glad to be here today. I am from a place called Mama, Florida which is probably about 30 minutes, 35 minutes away from where you live out there yep. in the Brayton area. And why mama is a unique, um, a unique place to live. Uh, the name comes from a train conductor that had three daughters and one was named Wilma, the other Maude and the last Mary. He combined all their names and that's where we get why mama from. And it's a, it's a beautiful area out here. Uh, it is. The majority of the population is Hispanic, Latino, but that is rapidly changing as developers are developing hmm. our area and building new communities. And so we are seeing literally the nations being exported um, to our area. And so we are excited about the opportunities that lie ahead of us. The church that I pastor is a church plant that we started six years ago called South Hills hmm. Church. And uh, we are a multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational church and uh, we are a third anglo a third hispanic latino and a third african-american or other black um yeah. so we are so excited about uh the expression of heaven that god has brought to our church and we look forward to expanding that uh through our efforts of making more disciples that we can unleash out into the community and throughout the world that's fantastic i i have some family that lives up in the waimama area we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago and it is a really neat area and there is much like uh, uh, what we have in, in Manatee County with a, one of the jokes that people were telling me as I came in was our, our largest cash crop is we grow homes. 
And that is true. It's <laughs> very mean, true. Oh, my goodness. They're yeah. putting up. We grow homes. And apparently, they didn't mention this, but they should have said that we also grow RVs because those are popping up everywhere as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> We're getting homes and storage units. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> A lot of that going on. Yeah. So, well, uh, we are going to dig into the book of James. I use the CSB. I, what are you using today? I use the ESV. ESV. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that way that our listeners can kind of choose which one they want to grab a hold of. Uh, we're going to be looking there at uh, James chapter one, verses nine to 18, which reads, let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation, but let the rich boast in his humiliation because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises and together with the scorching wind dries up the grass. Its flower falls off and its beautiful appearance perishes. In the same way, the rich person will wither away while pursuing his activities. Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So as we look at this particular passage and we start to tear it apart, a uh, leading question I want to ask is, how do you see this uh, working with discipleship uh, in how you do ministry, in uh, the process that you have for building disciples? A great question. You know, when you look at this passage of scripture, I like how um, it starts out in verse nine and kind of works its way down. It really sets the tone for what he is trying to say. And, mm -hmm. and, and what I really like about this is whether you consider yourself lowly or you already consider yourself of important status, God, the right through the writer is, is saying, Hey, look, here's a level playing field here. Yeah. Here, here, here's a level starting place where we all have equal value and worth and God is working through both those who feel exalted and those who feel lowly. And, and he tends to lower through humility, the exalted, and he tends to bring up the lowly um, who are lowly in spirit. And so you see this kind of level playing field that God is creating and saying there's opportunities on both sides for spiritual transformation, growth, and development. And so I like how he is putting this argument to start off that passage of scripture. And then he goes into this, this thought about temptation and testing. Yeah. And, and I, I love this because one of the things that he says in, in like in verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. And so this is what God literally says right after that. Take personal accountability for you falling into temptation. If you fall into temptation, you stumble and you sin, don't blame God for your issues, but you need to take personal accountability. This is what he says in verse 14. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by what? His own desire. Yeah. So part of the discipleship process is helping the disciple 
understand that you have some natural desires that are within you. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter how holy you get. It doesn't matter how lowly you think you are. You could be the worst sinner. You could be a saint. But at the end of the day, every individual has natural desires that entice him or lure him towards him or her towards sin. And it's with our recognition of that and acknowledging that is the first step to getting the help that we need in this process. And it's in it's assigning the blame where the blame needs to lie. And that's within ourselves because of our fallen nature, our sinful condition. And even though we have been saved from the penalty of sin, and even though we have an eternal hope and glory in Christ, it does not free us from the realities of sin in our lives, nor the consequences of sin. And so he is saying, hey, you have some desires that are going to lure you, that are going to entice you, that are like sirens in the water, that are that are luring you to your watery death, your watery grave. And so he's saying, you know, recognize where this comes from. And then he says this, then desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. So he's saying to us, if you don't get a hold of this thing, the result is going to be death. Now, we know that we're all going to physically die one day. The great yep. thing is when we are in Christ, we spiritually are alive and we will live forever. And, and we, will, we will experience the resurrection. But the truth is, is that sin always brings death into our lives, whether it be the death of a relationship, whether it be the depth of a ministry, whether it be the depth of a mm. hope or a dream that you may have, but sin brings different versions of death into our life. And ultimately it brings about physical death. And so he is saying, recognize the fact that this all starts from your own desires and don't blame God. And that's really helpful for someone that you're discipling to help them understand God's not out to get you. Oh, yeah. God's not out to trip you up. He's not like uh, I used to run track and field. And oftentimes I would see the distance runners when they're running the laps around the track. Every now and again, they'd be running in a pack and you would see a runner accidentally. And notice I'm using air quotes here. <laughs> trip another runner yep. and cause the runner to stumble while he keeps on going past. That's not how God operates in our lives. God is not like that runner trying to trip us up as we're running this race of life that he's called us to run. And so we cannot blame God for our own issues. We have to take full accountability and a mature disciple of Jesus Christ will take full accountability for his or her actions. And so I love this passage. And he says this, do not be deceived, my brothers, my beloved brothers. See, he's encouraging us and he's saying, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And so he's saying these things, this temptation that you're dealing with, this, this evil that besets you and that you are, that you are easily ensnared by and entrapped in and that you stumble over does not come from God. He's not trying to tempt you, but what does come from God is every good and perfect gift. And I love that distinction that he shows us. And so there are some things that we can expect from God. And there are some things that we should never expect from God. Oh, we yeah. should never expect that God would tempt us with evil. But we should expect from God every good 
and perfect gift. So it's a great passage to walk a disciple through to help them understand the role of God in their own lives and in their own journey. Yeah, I that lays out some things I hadn't even connected, to be honest with you. That's excellent. Uh, one of the things that catches my attention there is that uh, the 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 humble are expectant. And yeah. as we as we come before the Lord, one of the themes that that I pay attention to uh, as I'm reading the Old Testament, especially, it's a theme that comes back again and again, especially in the the prophets of and and also the wisdom literature. And that's that concept of humility before the Lord and the the oh, difference, man. the separation between those who are proud and those who are humble. And the expectation that the proud have is an expectation of destruction, whereas the expectation yeah. that the humble can have is one of being lifted up and being exalted. And that this passage puts those, I mean, it just lays it right in front of your nose uh, to be able right. to see that. And that, that we're to also, you know, as that, as that connects down, as we look for those good and perfect gifts, we can have that expectation that God is going to give those good and perfect gifts as well, because he loves us. He's going to give us the things that are good. Uh, the trouble is that, that we mistake sometimes the things that are of the world. We see those as the good thing and we mistake the things that God's giving us as the wrong thing. And that's where our temptation is so deadly uh, is because that's we right. misplace the things of the world for the things of God. There's this beauty of God in the, in the text right there where he does his work. He he does his work. Like, for example, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. If you, if you think about that, the Bible also tells us that we are to humble ourselves before the Lord. Mm -hmm. And in due season, he will do what? He will exalt us. Yeah. Now, the exaltation isn't for our glory. The exaltation is for his glory. When, when God can take someone who is humble and utilize them in such a way that there's impact and there's leverage for the kingdom and people are able to see that God gets the glory out of that. Yeah. And that's the beauty of how God takes a very humble heart who is, who is leveraged for the kingdom and is leveraged for God's purpose and his will and uses it to give himself glory. God is always about getting his glory and yeah. he uses our lives to get glory out of his life. And, and out of our lives. And so I'm thankful for how God utilizes us in our walk with him. And if we are to remain humble, God can use us in greater and more impactful ways. Yeah. I, I've noticed in James, as I've been preparing for the series and, and gotten started on some recordings, I've noticed that he really likes to give uh, almost like, uh, you know, you go to the doctor and you have to list all your symptoms. And from there, you can diagnose what's going on. James gives us like diagnostic after diagnostic after diagnostic. They just keep rolling in. And That's right. it's so set up for self uh, reflection that, you know, that it, it offers, you know, there's, there's a lot of Christians who are growing up into Christ in a situation where they aren't being discipled. There's no one that's, right. that's mature enough to disciple them around them. Uh, or yeah. they're just in a situation where they're isolated and, you know, a book like James can give you the ability to just self disciple almost through the work of the Holy spirit. That's uh, right. And, and this particular passage, you know, we've got the, the, the next little section where it talks about the sun rises and with the scorching wind kills the grass. You That's know, right. if, if we're going through a dry time, 
uh, one of the diagnostics is sometimes we're doing that because God is is humbling us in that particular right. time. Uh, there's there's also times when that is a result of our own sin. And so we were faced with, okay, here's what's going on in my life. Here's what I see in scripture. Now I can diagnose what's going on a little bit better. Uh, and the more I the more I read the the book of James, the more those things just jump off the page at me. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when you think about it, in, in the context of the passage that we're talking about, when when James opens up this letter, when he's writing this, he is talking about the various types of trials that will come under. Yeah, and, and he tells us, he says, "Count it all joy." Yep. Now that seems very odd and strange for somebody to tell you if you're going through trials or if you're going to face various trials that you need to count them all joy. And he says, you can count it all joy because your trials, your suffering is going to produce fruit in your life. Right. It is going to produce godliness, godly character in your life. The, the very things that you need in your life to exhibit Trials and suffering and testing are going to produce those types of things. And oftentimes when we're going through those, those journeys, we get mad at God, you know, or we complain, we gripe, we bellyache, and we say, why me, God? Woe is me. You know, why does this always happen to me? And why do I have to suffer? And God, I'm serving you and I'm reading my Bible. I'm spending time with you. And, and yet I'm still being tested yet. I'm still suffering yet. I'm still going through these trials. Why is this happening? God. And God's just sitting back saying, because I'm trying to produce something in you. I, I'm, I, I'm trying to leverage these things so that way you come out on the other side with the very thing that I need in your life. And, 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 and the ESV says, I'm producing steadfastness, endurance, you know, that, that, that ability to be able to run this race and to run it with an attitude of, you know, no matter what happens, God's got me yeah. and I can be faithful to him because I know he is faithful to me and he's got my back. And then he says, if you lack wisdom, just ask God for it and he will give it to you generously. And so God's like, I'm not leaving you out here hanging to dry. I'm with you and I will equip you. I will help you. So then when we get down to verse number nine and we start working our way through the rest of the passage in verse 18, all of it makes sense that when he begins to present this, this thought that we need to wrestle with, it makes sense because he's going back saying, guys, you're going to go through some suffering. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through testing. But just know this, as you go through that process, this is what does not come from God, and this is what will come from God. And that's yeah. very helpful for the hearer to understand that. Uh, using the uh, agrarian references that Christ uses with the, the vine dresser, you know, the vine yes. dresser comes and prunes. Well, when you get pruned, it hurts. You're getting cut on, right? And, and yeah, things man. are being cut away, but they're being cut away so that more growth can follow it. And That's being right. able to see that here is, you know, he's laying it out for us. You're going to go through these times where you're being pruned. You're going to go through these times of struggle. But remember that when you're going through that, you're going through it because you're growing and I'm helping you grow and I'm doing, I'm dressing you for growth. Uh, that is right. One of the one of the things that catches my ear is you mentioned the the long suffering that's in there, and every time I hear long suffering, my mind goes to the Psalms 
where God's love is long suffering with us. Yeah, so yeah, he, yeah. He's saying, Come on, brother. <laughs> you need endurance, but just turn around and look and notice I'm being, I'm showing you long suffering and endurance in love, even through all the things you're going through. And I'm not abandoning you. Uh, That's good. And, and it's the same thing that it's just said in a slightly different way. We have that promise from God. We That's can be good. long suffering because he's long suffering with us. Amen. Amen. Great word, brother. That's a, I don't I don't have anything to add to that. That's <laughs> <laughs> that is well stated, brother. Amen. Uh, and amen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's as we take one of the passages like this and we can see easily how to disciple others or how we can help others with walking through discipleship. But a question that, that I think sometimes we forget to ask as we're discipling others is how have I been able to be discipled through passages, uh, either this directly or one of them that's related to this. Uh, and so, uh, what is something that you have found success with? Where's a, a place where God has worked through this passage or its parallels in your life, uh, or maybe where is a spot that you've you've have struggled struggled or even currently struggle with in terms of your own discipleship? Man, that's a great question. In my discipleship, and I, and I really love this passage, so thank you for allowing me to speak on this today. Um, but where I really have been challenged in my discipleship journey, trying to spiritually mature, is the whole notion again, verse thirteen through 15, understanding the ramifications of my sin, mm. of my choices, really understanding how that works and how oftentimes I may bring suffering into my life unnecessarily because what I have done. And then when I'm experiencing the consequences, then sometimes I look at God, I'm like, why God, why, why won't you just let this pass for me? Why don't you just Get rid of this. And 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 the truth is, is, God is a faithful God and he's a good father. And the Bible says, he who the Lord loves, he disciplines. Yep. And, and God uses discipline in our lives to help correct us like a good parent would. And when I, when I was initially trying to understand how God operates through his judgment, through suffering, through trials, through testing, why he allows certain things to come into our lives, it helped me to understand there are just some things that are coming into my life because of me yeah. and because of my decisions. And I need to own that. And that really helped me to stop getting so mad at God when I was suffering under certain consequences that were coming into my life. And I had to put the onus back on myself and just say, well, if you would have done what he said, that would not have happened. <laughs> if you would have listened to his word and applied it to your life, you yeah. wouldn't be experiencing that. Now, when suffering comes into my life because of the actions of somebody else or um, because God is God has allowed me to go through a certain trial, then, you know, that's, that's a, that's a different situation. And I'm, and I'm more apt to handle that in a godly way. Mm -hmm. than what I was back in the day when I thought God was allowing things to happen to me because he was over punishing me or he yeah. was being cruel or he was being mean. And, and it really helped me to understand the depravity of my own sinful life. And to take accountability for that. So that really helped me to grow up a little bit in, in the way I thought towards God, which was unhealthy and it was wrong mm. and it was affecting our relationship. And so 
when I began to understand, no, no, Z, that's 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 on you. Um, that really helped me to kind of turn the corner on how I viewed that. It is hard to be honest with God, isn't it? It is, man. And is. and the thing is, he sees right through us. No matter, <laughs> we could put up the best smoke stringing in the world, but he sees right through it and knows. And uh, yeah. and yet he has, and yet there's a promise here. Uh, as we get to that last chapter, by his choice, he gave us birth. Yep, that's right. And by his choice, by his choice, he gave us birth. Yeah. And not because of us, not because of us getting it right or even us getting it wrong, but because he chose us, he gave us birth. And not only did he give us birth, but the by is important by the word of truth. That's right. And so one of the things for me has been uh, learning to see passages like this in context with other scripture uh, yeah. and, and to be able to take and, and connect that idea of humility and to connect that idea of honesty before God, you know, this is part of being humble before God is being honest before God because That's the right. pride prideful man makes a show and the humble man is just the, is just who they are. And it's when we That's try right. to make the show before God. Um, yeah, I, I am uh, naturally one who likes to get things right and is a perfectionist on some things and I want to be excellent at things and, in those things, I like to make a better show. My 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 flesh wants to make a better show of things than I naturally am. And so what do I do? I set up all the 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 stage. It's like putting on a play. You buy the stage ingredients, you have all the set pieces up there, and you have the costume you put on and you put on your show, but that's not honesty before the Lord. And it's that's so right. hard to to take that and and tear down all the things that you do and to really get to the heart of where you are. Uh, it's a, it's a lifelong challenge and it's uh, it, it's almost in the way the passage is set up with the, cause you in one breath, you might be the brother of humble circumstances and the next breath, a couple of years down the pike, you might be the brother of prideful circumstances in That's the right. next years. And, and it'll have to bring low. Yeah. yeah and, and, and you, you work through that cycle as you're being, discipled and as the lord is is correcting and, and purifying and sanctifying you yeah yeah ryan you said something uh just a little bit uh ago that i just want to go back to yeah when you talked about when you're spending time with god in prayer it's 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 often very difficult to be um for lack of better words and remembering exactly how you worded it but being transparent yeah um with god and it takes a great deal of humility to bear yourself before god as a matter of fact you know, I love to pray, but I don't love to pray. Yeah. Because when I pray, I have to be honest with God. I have to be honest with God about the things that I've done, the things that I've said, and the things that I think. And I can't hide those things from God. I have to be completely honest with him. And sometimes as I'm talking to him about maybe my thought life, and I verbalize that stuff, I'm like, you can't say that before God. <laughs> you know? He's heard and, it all before. <laughs> yeah, he has. And he hears it constantly, you know. <laughs> and, and, and in my brain, I'm saying, you can't say that before God. But he's like, but but then I think to myself, but you have been saying it. Yeah. And he's heard you, even though you didn't utter it with your mouth. He knows what you're thinking. So be real with him and, and bring that to the light so he can deal with it in the light. And, and it's such a beautiful thing to know that we are loved by a God who knows us that intimately to where he knows our 
innermost secret inward thoughts. How beautiful is that? Yeah. And he makes himself available to us to, to walk through that season in the most, I would say, humble but humiliating moments. Yeah. When you're being completely transparent with them. It's, it can be humiliating to admit before God what you've done, what you said, and what you're thinking. But then I'm reminded, but he already knows. Yep. But he loves when you're being transparent. This week uh, in our chapel service with the, the high school kids, uh, really, it's, it's actually with the whole school. One of the kids uh, put in a question. We've been answering questions from the kids. Okay. And the question uh, basically came down to, is it true that the Lord is always with you no matter where you are, even if you're in a really dark place? And, uh, you know, it, as I approached that question, one of the places we started with was Psalm 139. Where can I go to get away from yeah. you, Lord? You know, it's, yeah. and, and in one breath, we hear that, where can I go, Lord, to get away from you? Because that's what David was wanting to do is to get away. But then yeah. he realized there's nowhere I can go to get away. But at the same no breath, we we see that as almost, almost imposing, God imposing in our lives. But at the same time, when we're in that place and we do come to our senses like the, like the prodigal son, right? We come to our senses. Yeah. Not only is he with us, he's right there. Yeah. And when we humble ourselves, he's already there. He's already with us and we don't have to go back to him. That's something that, that that's where the prodigal son story isn't quite fully the picture. It's where the analogy breaks down because we don't have yeah. to go back to God. We just have to come to our senses that he's already there and, and we I have love, to listen to him. And I love how you absolutely right. The analogy does break down a little bit, but what I do love is how the father was waiting for the son. He was looking yep. for him. He was expecting the son. There was an expectation of the father's heart. And when he sees the sun come on the horizon, the Bible says he starts running towards him. Yep. And we know in ancient Jewish culture, that's shameful for a man to do. Yeah. Because he would have had to hike up his, his, um, his, uh, golly. And He'd I'm, have to I'm, gird his loins. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. He would literally have to do that because he couldn't run easily. Right. Yep. And so that would have been shameful because if he had tripped and fell and exposed himself, that would have been sinful and shameful. And, yep. and so, and so he, he's willing to take on this action to go meet his son. Again, for the disciple, let me tell you something, no matter how far you go, you can't get away from God. And God is always ready to embrace you if you will just repent and humble yourself. Yep. He's always going to be right there. So that that is a phenomenal word. Yep. And the moment we humble ourselves, the fence that we were mad about that God put in place, that that uh that thing that we were mad about, right? We realize, yeah. oh wait, that wasn't there to to keep me from having fun. That was there to keep me from dying. Come on, brother. And on. you know, we just got a dog. We don't have a fence in our yard just yet. They're working on getting it in, but we can't take the dog and just let him loose. Yeah. We have to keep him on a leash. Cause they, as soon as we let him go, he's going to chase a cat somewhere, <laughs> whether right. it's there or not. And That's so right. we have to have that fence <laughs> and, or we have to have him on the leash. We don't have a choice. And so in order to, to get him that freedom, there still has to be that fence that's there for our protection. And, right. you know, our, our temptations are the things that are over the fence. That's right. 
and we so much want to go grab them and we don't realize how deadly they are. Uh, But yet God has given us life and he's given us life with those boundaries and knowing exactly how weak and feeble we are. He gives us the boundaries that are appropriate for us. Uh, If we would just listen to him, you know, (laughs) that's right. So I tell you what, that, that feels to me like a good spot to end on. We're getting close to uh, our our time limit as well. And so uh, we'll take that as the last thought. If we would just listen and it comes right back to that idea of being humble before God, doesn't it? We got to not be talking long enough to hear. And uh, so want to say Zelvis, thank you so much for being on. Uh, this has uh, is lightened up my evening quite a bit. I have really enjoyed listening to you and talking with you and uh, sharing how we read this passage. Uh, and so for those of you that are listening, what I want you to hear in this is that we can sit down with passages like this. You know, when you read James the first time, you may not see all these things that we're talking about. But the more you sit down with somebody else and walk through it, that right in and of itself is a picture of what we do in discipleship is to test each other with the word uh, as we converse over it. And so I want to encourage you to find somebody. If you don't have somebody you can do that with, find somebody you can. uh, And that way you can grow. Even if it's you listening to a podcast like this, there's hundreds of them on podcast catchers everywhere that you can listen to that have really good discipling content that you can pick up on if you approach it humbly through the word. And uh, so we want to encourage you to do that. Uh, And again, Zelvis, thank you so much for being on. It's been fantastic. And uh, for our listening audience, we pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you as, as we get ready for next week's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Simmering Thoughts. You can find us online with your favorite social media at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also email us at simmeringthoughts at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on these episodes. With that in mind, if you enjoyed what you heard, please go to your favorite podcast catcher and like and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.